rolling along with you on your workday routine. It's the Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Welcome back into the second hour. Thanks for being with us. Lindsey Brown, Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker. We're all inside, back inside the studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada, on the phones and on the text line. You can hit us up at don'tbebroke.com, 702-365-9200. Eddie Bosley joins us now from Sirius XM Channel 156. He's the station director of Fight Nation, and he's here with us on Wednesdays at this time. Eddie, good morning to you. How are you? Guys, good morning. Always a pleasure. What's going on over there? Happy Wednesday. Oh, thank you. Happy Wednesday to you too. So we were just kind of getting in a conversation. Like, all right, with a uh, with a certain window being open for you know uh, franchise tags, and like you know Josh Jacobs could be in that mix in a way. But at the same time, what do you think is like a better alternative, like contract number to offer Josh as somebody like you'd want to keep him here, but you're not at a large number that the franchise tag would hold. Yeah, the franchise tag is always a tricky situation, guys. It's something, obviously, the players uh, don't love and don't love to get slapped with, especially when it's a couple times or multiple times. But I think you have to kind of stay around the franchise number at running back. I think it would make sense. I, I think Josh would be silly to accept anything less. But it also, too, is you have some big-name running backs uh, potentially out there on the market, Derek Henry and Saquon Barkley and Josh and guys like that. So I don't think that plays uh, to benefit. I think uh, a guy like Josh Jacobs really has to hammer home, you know, uh, his age, you know, being younger than some of those, than some of those premier backs and, you know, what he's accomplished in his NFL career. So I think you have to stay, you know, within that franchise limit. You could do the more guaranteed money. Obviously the Raiders are in a better position to do some, you know, cash and some more guaranteed money to maybe to lower that cap number, but it's got to be somewhere in, in, in that realm for a player like Josh Jacobs because, as we say all the time, guys, it only takes one team. It only takes one team to fall in love with a Josh Jacobs and say he's young enough where you can give him a three- and four-year deal and he could be our, our guy moving forward. So you have to battle that, but I, I think the Raiders are smart. There's not going to be any hometown discounts here from Josh's side, but I think you know floating some, some guaranteed years, maybe a, a, a three-year deal, you know, a two-year deal with an option for the third okay. with some big-time guaranteed money in the front, I think that's the kind of way you're going to go. But also, to the same point, I just mentioned those names, guys. There are a lot of valuable running backs, and there are a lot of bigger-name running backs out there to kind of supplement. So it's not the running back position's in a tough, a tough situation. They're, they're kind of playing off against each other, and it's a strong group heading into 2024. Just so I know what you're saying, you'd be okay with paying him the equivalent of like $14 million if you split it up between salary and, and signing bonus? Yeah, I think so. In a short-term deal, I think that's a lot. It's a big, it's yes. a big number to yeah. kind of sink your teeth into, and you, I don't think you're going to give that in a per-year basis. But as anything else, the contracts you could formulate them any way you want. So if it's on paper, you know, a, a three-year, forty million dollar deal, but you know, half of that's guaranteed money or signing, but whatever the case may be, is I think you have to be in that kind of range. And I think the player would obviously like the guaranteed money up front more than say, the base pay. So I think if you kind of float that number, be in the range, and when I say the range, I don't mean that high of a number. I mean you're within the $10 million, 9 10 12, you know, $11, 12000000 million range there, but you can get creative with the cap and things like that. And I think, you know, it's smart business, too, if you bring back a player like Josh Jacobs and put him back in this offense, a lot of familiarity there, and you get him back on a short-term deal instead of rolling the dice on, on, on kind of unknown. So it's it's a really good internal debate. I'm sure that it's been having inside the building. Um, you know, if push comes to shove, I think the Raider fans would love to have Josh Jacobs back, but it's a business. But, you know, Josh has to do what's best for him, but he's a super talented running back that's probably just entering his prime right now 
which you can't say about the guys like Derek Henry and, and players like that. Talking to Eddie Borsilli from Sirius XM, and I want to get a little creative because it is the offseason. I want to add a new end-of-season award. It's going to be called the Revenge Warrior. <laughs> Baker Mayfield won it this season, and I think Justin Fields is potentially standing on the precipice of an opportunity to compete for this award next season. But who else would you expect to be in the running? Yeah, I think there's, there's a guy, and I don't know how if it's with the team he's on now or potentially somewhere else. But a guy that comes to mind is a guy like Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's mm. a guy that first-round pick from the Steelers, hasn't really shown much, if anything at all, has the wherewithal, has the talent, and all that kind of stuff. And the Steelers went from Big Ben, and they're trying to find another Big Ben, which is an almost impossible task. So a guy like Kenny Pickett, who they want to rush out of town, Mason Rudolph, guys like that, they're starting all these different guys, Mitch Trubisky. But a guy like Kenny Pickett uh, to come in there, can kind of be, you know, a brain to saying, I can be the guy. You drafted me in the first round for a reason. I could be this player. So I, I, I love your Justin Fields thing. I think mm-hmm. Justin Fields, anytime a player gets traded, there's always that kind of revenge factor. He's going to take out on the world, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. But I think a guy like Kenny Pickett is a player. And also, I'll throw this name in there, Lindsay, mm-hmm. is a guy like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Ooh. Cousins could come back next year, whether it's for the Minnesota Vikings or another football team, maybe another football team and say, I've made a ton of money in my career, but now here's the time to put me on a, a, a different team with a different skill set, and I can finally get over that hump. So I'd, I'd like the Kirk Cousins revenge in the sense of, not the contract, but Kirk Cousins coming back, maybe winning some playoff games, getting deep into the playoffs, and proving people that he could be a winning quarterback in the league. Kirk mm. Cousins winning playoff games? Yes. What I kind know, of crazy, reality? <laughs> I suppose anything's possible. Big dreams. Yeah, I mean, what, even, could you ever feel like even a guy like Gardner Minshew, who ended up uh, signing like a you know a one-year deal, you know, because he's somebody who's almost at fifty games now has played. He's he's actually won some pretty decent games and actually kind of carved a little bit of a career out for himself. But nobody ever seems to take him seriously. Uh, could he ever start uh, being in that mix for the you know Revenge Warrior Award? I think so. I think it. I, I, honestly, it, we talk about this all the time, guys. It's not so much the player. I think it's the system in, 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 the, in the kind of perfect fit, right? Gardner Minshew is a talented football player. You know, is he Josh Allen? Is he, you know, all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have those physical traits. But he can win the National Football League. Look what it took for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield doesn't yeah. work out in a couple of places. All of a sudden, he goes there. Gardner Minshew has to find the right spot. It was a good spot for him with Shane Sykin and the Colts. That worked out. He put up some good numbers. They won some football games. So it only takes the right opportunity, the right pairing with a head coach or the offensive weapons. These quarterbacks, especially that are drafted, you know, early in the rounds, I know Minshew wasn't, but a guy like Baker, first pick of that, first round, second round quarterbacks, guys like that, sometimes, yeah, maybe they aren't great football players. They're just never going to pan out. But sometimes it's the system. Sometimes it's the fit. It's the city. It's all those factors that go in there. I always like Gardner Minshew. I thought Gardner Minshew was a guy that you put on the roster, he can win you some football games. He can start for an extended period of time. Are you going to sign him to a four-year deal and give him maximum quarterback money? No, but he's a guy. He's a, a, just a gritty football player, and I think people don't take him seriously because he's kind of goofy off the field and all that kind of stuff with the hair and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the, guy is, you know, the guy will win you football games, and what do you want in the national football? You want to win football games. So to, to the coaching point and all the new staffs and all that thing, it, it's the picking the player and putting them in the right system. You know, if you put Gardner Minshew with San Francisco, you know, with Kyle Shanahan, he probably wins double-digit games and gets them deep into the playoffs. It's just, it's the nature of the beast when it comes to, you know, offenses and coaching staffs around the league. Eddie, have you been able to take a look at uh, J.J. McCarthy, and what are your thoughts, if so, on the Michigan quarterback? 
I, I know there's, this is a very uh, polarizing topic with J.J. McCarthy. I think he's a player, Vinny, that's kind of just scratching the surface a little bit. Uh, I think he, um, he, he has the, the body to, to kind of grow into his body a little bit more to get stronger physically. He's got the arm. He can move around the pocket. I just don't think he was asked to do uh, a lot of those things at Michigan. He played, he's played in, obviously, monster football games. He's done those things. And I think sometimes when you're on these bigger programs and you're not kind of carrying uh, the football team, so J.J. is surrounded by super talent, that's almost to your detriment because you have so many talented football players around you. And almost to people, it seems like you're not as good of a quarterback because you have so many good weapons. And sometimes it's just, you know, the opportunities aren't there. He's handing the ball off. The defense is playing well. It's a short field. But it's about taking, you know, taking care of those opportunities and making the most out of it. So I, I don't. I don't know if I'm in the position yet that I would draft J.J. McCarthy in the top 15. I don't know if I'm there yet. I'd have to do some, some more work. But I say it, guys. I mean, if the quarterbacks go one, two, three, <clears throat> J.J. McCarthy's in that four to five range, and it's going to be teams in the you know the top 10, lower top 10, early teams that are looking for quarterbacks. But I, I like his skill set. Like I said, I think he can get stronger as a football player. I think he can get – um, to a, to a level where he could stand the, the test of time in the National Football League. I like his escapability out of the pocket. Mm-hmm. I like his decision making, and I, I think he's kind of just scratching the surface um, as a quarterback. But again, you got to put him with the right system. He's with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, one of the, the better offensive minds in the country. So you got to have him <clears throat> in a good system to kind of nurture those things. Do I think JJ McCarthy is ready to come in and start next year? Probably not. I think he could probably use you know sit behind somebody next year learn a little bit, you know, kind of come into his own and then, and then maybe be that guy. So a lot of more work to be done on, on a guy like J.J. McCarthy, but I think he's kind of just scratching the surface of what he could do at the next level. Talking to Eddie Borsilli from Sirius XM, and I want you to take out the claw from Toy Story. Are you familiar with the claw and the aliens? You, you know what I'm talking about in terms of finding someone <laughs> that you think is stuck in a system that does not appreciate or accentuate their gifts. Who would you like to take the claw out, grab, and put them somewhere else, and where would you put them that w- where they could live their best life? Well, I'm going to be <clears throat> extremely selfish here, and I don't know if it's a system that didn't uh, accentuate his things, but I'm going to go at a, for a top target um, that should be a top target for the Raiders in free agency, and that's a guy like Christian Wilkins down in Miami. Christian Wilkins is obviously playing in that big Fangio system. He's playing kind of all over that a couple of that a couple of defensive coordinators down there in Miami. But I think he's a player that <clears throat> if you put with a team, say the Raiders, you know, on that defensive line, playing against uh, alongside Max Crosby with a with a leader like Antonio Pierce, I think Christian Wilkins could be in the upper echelon uh, of defensive line. And I know he kind of is a little bit there already. He's been one of those players that people talk about. And he's had a couple, you know, really good seasons down in Miami. But I think if you put him in the right system, I think this guy could be an absolute game wrecker uh, on Sundays. And I think he's a player that's going to make a lot of money this off season. And if I had to go down and grab a claw, <clears throat> Christian yeah. Wilkins would be that guy. I, I think put him. <laughs> I like where you're going there, with put, that. <laughs> putting him, putting him along that defensive line. It's a player. It's a position in need. It's a player in, in the right system. I think that dude could be an absolute beast. So for me, if I had the claw, I'm going down and getting Christian Wilkins and putting him in silver and black. Who does uh, Luke Getze need out of the claw to go and help this offense? Because now he's getting some really good guys around him as far as like coaching staff and support, including Joe Philbin. Who's on the offense that Getze could look at as the claw <laughs> to fix this offense? Caleb Williams. Could I go Caleb <laughs> <I go> Williams? <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, look, this, it's going to be the absolute 
top conversation in the offseason. And it, a lot gets put on Luke Getzey to come in and kind of fix his offense. And maybe it'll be, you know, 10 years from now, we'll sit back and say what happened and all that kind of stuff to, to this Raider offense with so much talent. I, I just think it, it comes, it, we say it all the time, it comes down to the quarterback. I think if Luke Getzey can go in there and hand his quarterback, whether it's Caleb or Jaden Daniels or Drake May or one of those guys, a good to great to elite quarterback guys solves so many issues. We we talk about it all the time. Solves, you know, a poor run game, solves, you know, poor blocking, solves a, a crappy defense, all those things. So I think for Luke Getze coming in here, he's already got Devontae Adams. We'll see what happens with Josh Jacobs. You got playmakers, you got Jacoby. <clears throat> we'll see what happens with Hunter Renfro and guys like that. Right. But if it's Luke Getze, it's hey, let's get that claw out there. Let's find our quarterback. Let's find the guy that's going to take us in the next, you know, five to eight years and have us compete with all those things. Because without that, you're just kind of playing in the sand with nothing, guys. So I think for Luke Getze, I don't know what player that is. I don't know who that is. If I had my druthers, I'd be trading up into the top three to get my guy and solidify, you know, the plan moving forward. But we'll see how the how the chips fall. But if I'm if I'm Getze, I'm going into the, the office all the time saying, what are we doing in that position? Because Aiden did a lot of nice things, but we need we need another person in there. We need a special player at that position. Oh, great stuff, Eddie. Thank you so much for coming on today. Let's do it again next week. Sounds good, guys. Have a great week. Thank you. Thanks, Eddie, Eddie. Eddie Marsili, Sirius XM, Channel 156, the station director of Fight Nation. You have saved our lives. We are eternally grateful. He chooses. <laughs> we do. It's our form of government. Like, what do you want? Oh, like, it's like the claw has chosen. The claw has chosen. The court, Christian he's, Wilkins. He's he's Christian Wilkins would be great. Um, and the age works on that one too. Um, you know, obviously uh, Chris Jones fits all bills, but the age. I mean, you're talking 26, 27 compared to a guy that's going to be what 31, 30 years old next year. So. That that might uh, that might change things. Although who knows if Chris is going to even uh, get out of Kansas City. But I like where he's going with the quarterback, and I think I think Luke has an advocate in Antonio Pierce. You know, I wrote uh, this story yesterday based on what Antonio said on the uh, the Pivot podcast. You don't have to read between the lines. He wants another quarterback, and he wants a better quarterback. So I don't think Luke has to go in there and knock on the door and pound on the table with Antonio Pierce at least uh, in terms of that. I think he's got a colleague. Uh, along those lines of thinking. And I, I get it when people say, well, you know, gosh, they need to do the offensive line, they need to do this. If you look at Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, all the great quarterbacks, their offensive lines have changed. The, the, the Chiefs' offensive line has completely changed over in the time that Patrick Mahomes has been, you know, the starting quarterback. It's go look at the roster when they won the, first, the Super Bowl when they did, and then look at it now. It's a, it's a completely new offensive line. So great quarterbacks have shown that, they can they can also accentuate and also help guys um, and and you, you're able to to build around them and continue to build around them. So I get that argument. It doesn't mean when you get your quarterback that means you stop building around them. But I think you get the quarterback if you have a chance to get the quarterback first or the quarterback now because I like where this Raiders roster is in a lot of different places. Anyway, you go you go do that and you figure out everything else out. Oh, we've seen many examples where that happens, yeah. and teams are successful in doing that. It doesn't take very long, right. you know. By by the middle of the season, you realize who you, who's in and who's out, and who, who you feel comfortable with. Uh, Houston is a good example of that. Yeah, absolutely. I just get worried that with the offense, offensive line is never something that you want to do. But then mid season, when two of the guys go down and everything, it, like nothing can go. Like you're just like, why could we not do this? It was, mm-hmm. all, and just with this draft, there's so many good guys at the top of it, and so it gives me pause when it comes to what if it's not that quarterback. But here's the thing: 
I think there might be some steam to this J.J. McCarthy hype. I looked at some tape, yeah, and we're going to get into it for the re- for uh, in, in portions of the rest of the show. I took some notes, and you can take them or leave them. I just I noticed some things, and so we can talk about J.J. McCarthy, <laughs> talk about it. Drake May a Absolutely. little bit, and uh, and and who fits because uh, as we've all talked about, this is a huge off season for these Raiders. You know what else we could talk about is Dos Cotas Tequila, and yes, uh, Lindsay and I were trading text messages over the weekend on on Mr. J.J. McCarthy, so I uh, uh, can't wait to get her thoughts. Uh, on that, but Dos Cotas Tequila, if you're here in Las Vegas, Total Wine serves all orders, or uh, has available all your great uh, flavors uh, and connotations of Dos Cotas Tequila. You could also go to uh, Senior Frogs over at the Treasure Island Hotel. Uh, they've got daily two-for-one specials of Dos Cotas Tequila, and if you're not here in Vegas, uh, don't worry. Just go to DosCotasSpirits.com. Um, you can even punch in the code word kickoff and get 20% off your next online purchase of Dos Cotas Tequila. Listening here on Raider Nation Radio, it's the gate. Lindsey, Vinny, Clay, We're talking about prospective quarterbacks in the draft and coming back there on the JJ McCarthy improvisation that he was able to do throughout the season. You know, on third downs and and really trying to extend the offense. And it's starting. To, it's that point of the year where you got to like the, really dissect what JJ McCarthy brings because he's getting not only the kind of hype, but it makes you want to know like, all right, who is he beyond the offense? Right. That he ran. How legit. Mm-hmm. What does he look like when he's running around out there? And I know that I uh, certainly can't break down tape like Marcus Johnson is going to for us at the top of the hour as he does uh, at 9 a.m. on Wednesdays. But as an athlete, I just kind of look at how people move in space and things that I noticed about their motion. So I'm trying this new thing on weekends where I'm trying to get a library day in. Mm. Kind of like how I did a prep for the Super Bowl. I'm like, you know what? We'll go get a croissant. We'll get some hot chocolate from Rosalie's. Best hot chocolate I've ever had. Go there. I don't care about free plug. Uh, and, and go to the library and, and watch some tape that Vindog sent me. And so before I get into this, these notes were compiled on the 18th of February, so just a couple days ago, and it's a highlight video by Prince Highlights, which has just under 7,000 subscriptions. Again, all of these are great-looking plays, and J.J. McCarthy plays on a great team. Sure. And so this tape looks damn good. This tape looks damn good. Uh, but... Some of the things that I notice about J.J. McCarthy this is a guy that can run well and throw well in space, but how close uh, do the defenders need to be to interrupt his throwing motion? That was one of the first things that I kind of asked and one of the first things I look for when I l- watch people throw because it's just you get people at you, you have smaller space, it's going to be harder for you to go about your business. But I think because he has really quick hips in his throwing motion, he doesn't really need a full follow-through to get zip on the ball. He's able to heave that and get through it. And the way I look at hips, it's kind of like a sprinkler head, right? And just like, and that whip. And some people need to get through their entire weight transfer, and some people don't. It just kind of depends on your flexibility, your fire ability. And I think he's got a lot of fire in those hips that are going to really be a great thing for him at that next level. It looks like he can throw with more of a neutral stance, like where the weight is over the top of his feet rather than wound back on his heels for more heave. Mm -hmm. So he's not really doing a javelin trajectory, which is kind of what Drake May does. Uh, And so that kind of allows him to be more shifty. We've heard a lot about his his capability. And and I think it's because he doesn't put his body in position where he has to overcompensate or get himself back to neutral because he simply naturally gravitates towards neutral. And so he has good rockability. His weight shifts forward uh, can be quick if he needs it to be. I think that's where he gets that juke. And he can hop and throw off that right foot really well. And, and I saw a couple of crossbodies, nothing that was too extreme. But my, my other question is, is 
How often are you tempted to make that throw? And is your arm able to make that risky throw something that you're willing to live with because you can bring that special out more times than other people who are willing to maybe make that throw? I think that the tools potentially are there. Uh, but the resetability and and his creative willingness to kind of move around uh, was really impressive. And so I, I'm not sure how that translates or how he'll be able to handle that up, uh, that up processing power as speed goes. He's not the biggest dude in terms of muscle, but he's still 6'3". So you're going to be able yeah. to see over everything. That should be fine. I usually don't really think that Fill much about height. a little bit. Yeah, but he doesn't waste a lot of movement, period, especially with his feet. And so when you have that hygienic movement, again, then you're not working against yourself or opening yourself up to extra brushes with contact to throw off your throwing motion to potentially get you down to the ground. It just seems like he plays really clean. Uh, And then I think he has really good speed change awareness, at least at the college level. I I think that level of confidence will have to be retested at the NFL to like shiver and shake guys where I'm sprinting and then I'm going to slow up and I'm going to try to make you jump or uh, read your commitment and and your timing. We'll see how that goes with bigger guys that are really smart, but that's something Mm -hmm. that he was able to manipulate at the college level. And so he has those foundational elements to be able to slow the game down and, uh, and be that more than a manager. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree on that. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to him next week because I don't know this to be the case. I haven't looked this far into it, but he feels like he's played some baseball in his life because some of the throws that he makes yeah. uh, like on the run remind me of a shortstop or a, uh, a second baseman making the try the, to turn the, it, the, the, turn the double play mm-hmm. uh, and throwing off balance sometimes mm-hmm. um, and where your weight, like you said, is distributed in different ways, but making an accurate throw. And making, you know, uh, to, to get the out. And uh, his follow-through matches that if he plays baseball in terms of getting all the way over that central plane right. and following through. Not yeah. everybody follows through like that. No, and 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 he does so with accuracy. Mm-hmm. So I, And I know that, like you said, you have to sometimes take these highlight tapes with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. they're going to usually show the best plays. But what I liked about his tape is that um, he didn't have to do a lot of what we saw on tape because the the Michigan offense was uh, so good at what they did, right. and a lot of it was running the ball, that they didn't really need to ask him to do those types of things a lot. But there's enough of it to see, okay, he can do it. Because a lot of those highlights were not him in a clean pocket. They were actually with him on the run, which I wanted to see more of right. um, than just in the clean pocket. You know, Because he might be playing for behind a better offensive line at Michigan than he might at the next level, at least in the first couple of years, depending on what team he's drafted It'll by. be tough because uh, they dominated a lot of the teams in the Big Ten, right. so will he have that much time in the NFL? Because, but what uh, I, Yeah, what I liked about it was that they showed those types of plays yeah. where he had to, to make plays. Because, you know, you're still going to get beat even at Michigan playing Ohio State or, you know, a good defensive uh, lineman. So there were a lot of what we saw was when he was on the run rather than just sitting back. And, you know, uh, I remember like the USC quarterbacks, Matt Leiner, would just sit back there. He never had to do anything other than sit in a beautiful pocket, throw to a bunch of five-star wide. And it it contorted something or, or distorted what well, I never saw him play under duress, but I saw right. it, there was enough on that tape of him playing under duress where he had to make, go make a play, go extend a play, and still be able to keep his eyes downfield, make accurate throws downfield, and make plays even just taking off and running, too. Yeah, and that's where, like, there's there's people that make messy plays still look messy. Like, again, Patrick Mahomes' Hall of Fame tape is going to be some of the ugliest tape you've ever seen in your life, but they're touchdown passes, mm-hmm. and you can't believe it. Whereas McCarthy, th- there is that cleanliness in that, too. There there doesn't seem to be a recklessness, at least in the tape that I watch. Again, there are literally no lowlights in there. 
Uh, but I, I just I believe in how how I always say with goalies, less is more. Like, what are you able to accomplish by not doing a lot? Like, yeah. have you been able to uh, be hyper efficient in your movement? Have you been able to work out a lot of these bad habits? Because the thing we know at the next level that you will not have at the same uh, discretion you did is time and space. And so can you get stuff out in time and space where you get a good throw? And can you process that, too? And I think he's I think he's got the physical gifts yeah. to get the ball out. It's just whether or not he can make that adjustment in processing. But that's the great question for every athlete that goes through this process. Sure. I mean, his highlights do show that he goes through his progressions. He hits guys in tight windows. All the little things that you oh, want to yeah. see, especially the arm strength. Matt Miller, uh, ESPN draft analyst, joined Q on game night talking about, all right, those are the highlights. Those are definitely the strengths. What about the weaknesses in J.J. McCarthy? Also, you know, this is a guy who's not a super big quarterback. He's six foot three. Listed at 200 pounds, he looks lean on tape for myself and for other evaluators. Seeing him in person is a huge part of the puzzle. We didn't get to see him at the Senior Bowl, didn't get to see him at the Shrine game. Uh, and as a junior coming out, haven't had as much exposure to him in person. So even little things, you know, last year all the conversation was Bryce Young. How much is he going to weigh? How thin is he going to be? This year, uh, we haven't talked about it as much as, as Bryce Young, but I think for J.J. McCarthy, it's going to be, all right, what does he look like in person standing next to a Drake May, who's 6'4", 230? What does he look like next to Bo Nix, who's every bit of 220? Michael Penix, who's 220 pounds? Jaden Daniels, who's 6'4"? You know, the, the size question is going to be a big component here. It's uh, you know, it's it's interesting to think Matt Miller from Game Night. All right, so he's not the only guy that's ever had like that problem and still succeeded though. Have in the NFL, well, probably the you easiest know? thing to fix is, is lift weights. Well, sure. Six three, yeah, he can gain some weight and gain Stroud's, some muscle. See, I, I look at him more like a CJ Stroud body wise, mm-hmm. um, a little bit longer obviously than uh, than Bryce, um, but. Thin. He's not like if you if you walk around with with CJ Stroud, he's not a big dude, you know. In no. terms of you know the, the height is there, and, and certainly the height is there for for JJ. Look at Justin Herbert. If you've ever stood next to Justin Herbert, he's kind of a a little bit of a beanpole in in a way. He's 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 filled out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now he's six six, so um, it, it's it's even more pronounced because he's 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 taller, and it's you know uh, so the weight is dispersed over a. Uh, you know, more inches, but he's not the biggest guy. When he takes off the pads, he looks like a regular dude. So Jared Goff, I know he's 6'5", but he's a beanpole too. So, yeah. y- y- you know, it's I... It's about I, the punishment aspect, right? It's like we, we're worried about you taking hits and being able to endure that. True. for the and, yeah, and, and that's really what the muscle's there for is to help you, protect you from injury. Correct. And and, and th- that'll be on him to, to, to um, add what he needs to add in terms of the muscle to be able to protect himself a little bit better. Uh, the, the other thing I really like about J.J. McCarthy, and I think analytically teams are going to put a um, an importance on this, number one, 28 starts, 27-1 and one in those starts. He's a winner. I mean. So he knows how to win. Yes, absolutely uh, he does. I mean, that's that's a, that's a great record a for, great for a quarterback. Yeah, yep. and um, whether you want to say he's not blowing it or helping you win it, I mean, mm-hmm. one way or another, his teams end up winning a lot of games. So, um, and I think that that is important. I think the experience that he's had uh, in 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 that volume of starts is something that's, a, and especially since he's just 21 years old, but to still have that amount of that's starts under his well, belt in terms of body development too. Like 21, you're still a lean being, right? Like you're going to be so different at 24, especially with nutrition and all that other stuff. Correct. They expedite. Like re- remember what Giannis looked like. 
When he got to the league. Of course. Remember well, what he looked like? Sure, but, uh, you know, McCarthy's not going to go to a great team right off the bat. He's going to go to a team that's going to lose more than win, probably, if he gets well, drafted at a certain spot. So up high. And, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, how is he mentally going to be able to handle the losses after handling sure. things so There's easily done for him? There's something to be got to learn how to lose, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure, I mean, you know, nobody's going to come in and be 27-1, and one, <laughs> you no. know, uh, for sure. Y- yes, absolutely, Clay. I think that he's going to have to, you know, uh, uh, wrap his head around the fact that He's not going to be 27-1, and he might not even be, you know, 8-8 eight and eight his first year. He might not be right. – it might be worse than that. So, but do you tinker through adversity? Do you yeah. still explore? Do you still mm-hmm. have creative energy? Are you able to compartmentalize mentally? Are you able to feel the bad energy too? Can you move through it and, not, and not completely avoid it? And I would think most of – if you make it at this level, you've probably figured that out at some level. But then again – it's it's a big difference going twenty seven and one, and then going through what what Bryce Young went through. This year. And thank you. I was just going to bring up Bryce. I'm really uh, I'm kind of secretly rooting for him because I felt like I felt like he got put in a just a horrible situation. And um, who knows what his future holds? Maybe mm-hmm. he just doesn't have it. That could be you know. Uh, but I think we're pre- I think some people are prematurely judging Absolutely. him. We talked about what do we talk about? Circumstance in life, mm-hmm. whether it's whatever. What's your environment like? What's Volatile. Your environment? Yeah, and his is, his in his first year was terrible compared mm-hmm. to what CJ Stroud and CJ Stroud. I liked CJ better than right. Bryce going into the draft, so I'm not gonna you know like but congratulate myself. But yeah. I, I also wasn't down on Bryce Young at all. It wasn't me liking CJ Stroud was because I liked him better, but I didn't not like Bryce Young. And I think if you put him in a in a better situation. And I'm hoping for him that better situation is there in Carolina with mm-hmm. the new coach and they bring in some talent. Because you look at what who do you have? Thielen? Who is his best wide receiver? Literally Adam Thielen. Come on. At like 32. Yeah. Correct. Still run some great routes, guys. Pick a gander. Great. But he had no offensive line either. He ran for right. his life on every hike. Every exactly. single And it right. really exposed his his physical weaknesses. That you know, being five ten and really small stature, he but could, he held it. Yeah. He he stayed through there it. He didn't get hurt. He took a lot of punishment yeah. though, and he got sacked. Uh, I mean, I was thinking at least four to four times a game. It well, was nasty. And and situations like that are the are the poster child for what worries me about picking a quarterback high and not having a roster ready and playing mm-hmm. them right away yeah. because. And maybe Bryce is able to to exercise those ghosts. He doesn't have, and maybe he's able to work through those bad habits. But you just put such a risk at ruining something that you're someone that you're trying to invest in in the long term because you didn't take the short term that that well, and you just played your card at the wrong time. And I think that's what the Patriots are kind of thinking about with their positioning with the third overall pick. Their roster has so far to go, and so by bringing in a quarterback now, you're like, well, it's great, it's a rookie deal. But are you in position to maximize that value? No. No, they're not. Mm-mm. And so that changes the dynamic, that changes the calculus, and that would change my decision. I think I they would be it. idiotic not to draft a quarterback, but um, for the Raiders' purposes, maybe they are. Maybe they pull an idiotic move and, and, and don't, ooh, ooh, and that, ooh, ooh. that opens the door for the Raiders to potentially trade up. But if I'm the Patriots, I'm drafting a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and I like where their defense is, and I feel like, you know, um, with some right decisions offensively, they can support that quarterback. But uh, I'd rather. I'm sorry, but if I'm the oh. if I'm them, yeah. Philosophical difference. Yeah, no, I, I get it, and and I understand. I'd still be a little bit surprised if they didn't though, take a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to accumulate picks, but that's the great part about this year. Absolutely. We don't know, and all of this is technically true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's, right. A, there's shreds of truth Correct. all over the place here on this. Everyone is both right and wrong all at once. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. But before we do, we'll help you out. Get some money. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, you heard Lindsay in the first hour. Oh, you can hit the jackpot. That's right. $2,024 at your disposal, at least the opportunity to earn such a thing. How do you earn this? Well, you text her into the daily code, send it to the number 702-365-9200. Again, this is part of our jackpot giveaway from Lotus Broadcasting and Raider Nation Radio. The code changes daily, so make sure you're listening all damn day. But in terms of when it opens, it's 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. So if you send Sinatra in to 702-365-9200 right now, you can win $2,024. Again, all thanks to Lotus Broadcasting and Raider Nation Radio. But watch the offensive line. I mean, he rolls out. He's going to make a guy miss in the backfield, Nick Jackson, make Chico Bennett, excuse me, uh, another defender miss as well. Then the offensive line are like, come on, Drake, we got you. ACC Network with the call on the Drake May highlight. And there's many highlights for Drake. Maybe oh, yeah. we're back here on Raider Nation Radio. We'll talk to Marcus Johnson from Team Don't Lie about this, as well as J.J. McCarthy coming up at 9 o'clock from YouTube. Uh, what, what sets apart Drake from some of the packages you saw, Linz? Well, I really just focused on, on Drake and, and J.J. McCarthy, and so there's an inevitable comparison between the two. I think the same thing happened between uh, C.J. Stroud and, and, and Bryce Young in terms of when, when you have two people that are competing in the same position, one is going to be uh, favored or the other. One is going to be the one that seems to be per, a little bit better performer. And I hear a lot about Drake May. Again, I'm going to the Prince highlights, uh, just under 7,000 subs on the YouTube. And uh, at this point, every quarterback that I'll probably talk about when we go th- through this should be number one overall because they don't miss a throw. And so the thing about him, though, is is I worry a little bit more about Drake May, despite what I've heard, which is a lot more steam behind him because to me Drake May is a little bit more of a traditional pocket passer he, okay. he, he's stiffer he yeah. has a stable core he keeps those elbows high and tight to those torso uh to his torso when he's moving about the pocket which is great again we're not looking for any sort of thing that you could clip disrupt me uh potentially bring me down but that also means that he kind of has to unlock that to get into his throwing motion right you're like hold tight hold tight well then I have to get loose mm-hmm. and then throw and so that's going to be something that, that I have a question on in terms of his mechanic mechanical hygiene. Yeah. Uh, I think that his throws, he lets them go deeper back in his motion, like that javelin reference I made to when we were talking about J.J. McCarthy. McCarthy goes more over the central plane of, of his weight shift versus May is a little bit further back. And so that just means that the trajectories are going to be more over the top drop in a bucket type. And so it's a lot more touch. It's a really pretty ball that he throws. It's a, it, They're amazing to watch. But that being said, I think that that's a more specialized throw. I, I think that's more disruptable than what McCarthy was working for because that means your weight isn't in a neutral position oh, okay. yeah. and, and you're kind of committed to whatever that decision is. Whereas if he's a little bit more centralized and where he holds his weight, if it, he held his weight in his hips, which he doesn't, he holds it in his upper body, it, it just allows you to, to be more fluid in your motion. You can, I think, uh, do the, the pump fake a lot easier and stuff. It's just you have to commit to that, and you get really pretty throws, but it just you have to have, uh, I think, better conditions in order for those throws to, to go through and, and execute on the level that you need them to. He takes a lot more smaller steps to set up his throws than J.J. McCarthy does, again, because his coil is up top. Mm-hmm. His lowers aren't 
nearly as fluid. And so, again, if he can get through his motion quickly, I don't think that's a big deal. But this is also a processing and creativity challenge. And I worry about him if he doesn't have that space, if there's a lot of proximal pressure and throwing that tight window, if he has the processing power, and then if he can get through enough of his motion. Because I think... J.J. McCarthy can get through less of his motion and get more on the ball I do too. He's more than efficient. Drake May can. Mm-hmm. And and he's a guy that rolls away from pressure more than he rolls out. Again, just a, a, a different distinction. I don't know how much of a play stretcher he is. He reads more like Jared Goff, Justin Herbert to me. No, not to me. Uh, this is a guy who ran for 1,200 yards mm-hmm. in his career. He's run for 700 yards one year, uh, close to 500 yards uh, another year. He reminds me of Josh Allen. More than he's not a statue, he's a runner. I think you need to work on the pass, like you were talking about. Yeah, um, I think he needs to be more accurate with the throw. Going back to you look at Josh Allen in college, he was somebody that you know, the, the, the he, he was under 60 percent uh completion percentage. Uh, Drake is around 64 percent, so a little bit better, but also playing with better players than you know, than mm-hmm. than, than Josh had at uh, at Wisconsin at uh, Wyoming. But the run ability is is absolutely there, he's a truck. And he's an athlete, and yeah, he's, he's a big dude. Yeah, that's, six four two thirty. I can understand why. That's the that's that's where the to me the Josh Allen comparison comes into more than like by Goff's will not rather run. by skill. That's basically him. He's going to run you over. He, well, yeah, and he's he's, right. he's they're they're both really good athletes. Jared Goff doesn't run uh, a, a, at all, um, other than to maybe try to you know get out of danger a little bit. But he's more of a statue type of a quarterback. Sure. And I think what you're going to have to do with Drake May is. Um, you're going to have to be a little bit patient as the Buffalo Bills were with the pass game part of it because nobody – Josh is kind of an outlier. Like it doesn't normally um, – his, 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 his completion percentage in college, that normally doesn't translate – it translates bad usually, uh, his numbers in college to the NFL. He actually has become mm. a really accurate thrower or a better thrower. He's not going to be one of those – sit back in the pocket and zip it in type, you know, he's going to make plays on the run and things like yeah. that. Um, so you're going to have to accept some of the inaccuracies as a result of that. But but that's who I think he is and has a chance to be. And and I think you're just going to have to be a little bit more patient on, on the pass game part of it as that comes along because he could definitely be somebody that you could put the ball in his hands and he's going to go make plays and truck yeah. people a- along the I, way. I can understand the comparison, the comparable with Allen in terms of truck ability. I just think Josh Allen looks like so much more fluid of an athlete when he's moving around than what Drake May does. And that's not to say, like, you cannot look like an athlete and be athletic. Exactly. Look at me. Have you seen my bowling mm-hmm. video from a couple weeks ago? You haven't seen me look play bowling. Gronk- like stuff. a Gronkowski. I know. And he's so, a but, great athlete, even though he looks 100%, like. 100%. But that's yeah. just a different way to, to, to get what you want, right? But that being said, I just think that he is a lot stiffer than what Josh Allen is. It doesn't mean that he can't do it. I just worry when you hold your weight up higher in your, in your upper body about staying integrated in that fluidity because you kind of – sometimes your hips are moving left and your upper body is moving right. And so in terms of his ability to have plant and, and throw from those, that's where I have questions just because I, it, it's just where he's holding his weight that's and kind I of agree. catching me up. And, and, and I totally agree, and I think that that's where the patience comes in. Yeah. I, I think that he's just coaching, his, sitting, doing, his doing football now 24-7, getting better coaching, getting better. I'm sure I, I would it, – it'll be interesting to see him next week in Indianapolis because I know he's going through that whole washing machine that you go through right sure. now. What it's going to, if that's going to even look different for him, um, you know, when, when he gets out there in the combine, if you start seeing, oh, wow, there's a little bit more fluidity. The, the hips are a little bit more. You'll, you'll be able to see some of the work that these guys have been putting in because all of these guys 
you know, are 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 in all those performance centers. You know, they've got their personal coaches. They're preparing yeah. for for next week, and they're preparing the way you need to prepare, pretty much twenty four seven. I don't know if any of these guys are going to school anymore right now, um, but. What do you I, mean? They're enrolled. They're student athletes. I'd like to We're see. We're focused. Somebody's like going in there. Yeah, I'd like to. <laughs> you know, and a lot of them go back and and retroactively finish up college. Those are always really good stories. But this is what their job is. They sure. better. They this. You know. Well, he's yeah. also got to get prepared, not just for the the combine stuff, but how is he going to be when there's one on one with coaches yeah. and staffs going under offense, going under progressions. You know, they're grilled. You know, every team has certain specifications to see, like, are you the guy that's going to be under center that we know is mobile, but are you going to adhere to the play calls that we are calling or are you going to take liberties with your feet? Yeah. You know, because they also want to know that. Right. Well, yeah, do no. you have feet that can make up for liberties that you may take? Like, it, mistakes it. are going to happen. Exactly. And and coaches are going to be willing to, to die with you on that if there are moments where unique heroism are present. Well, they're going to take into account the ACC opponents, and mm-hmm. they're going to take into account that he's gone through uh, different uh, talent on, on his side of the ball. Yeah. Maybe they, not mm-hmm. the best protection yeah. to right. go and judge That's him true. against somebody who had great protection like J.J. McCarthy. Right, exactly. And, and, uh, and, and the interview process is going to be interesting to me. Um, uh, I think I think um, I think JJ is going to knock that out of the park. Um, but I do, you know, uh, and I think Jaden Daniels is going to uh, knock it out of the park as well. I do wonder about uh, Caleb Williams. I want to, you know, uh, there's there's some things that people have some questions about, and uh, I think they're going to grill him uh, on 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 some of those things. You know, uh, we saw some of the. I didn't have a problem with him crying on the sidelines. Some people do. There was the there was the. Uh, I think he painted his fingernails. I've heard people talking about. And football oh, people, like, what's that all about? You know, stupid, <laughs> stupid stuff. Just but, tell yourself you're pretty enough times. You'll start believing it, and you too. But can when you start, but when you start hearing polish, Dad talk okay about wanting it. ownership with the team, when you start hearing some of the things that have come out from his camp, you're going to put him in that seat, and you're going to ask him those questions. And I and I'm I'm curious what his how his interviews are going to go. Yeah, you have to strip people bare to see what you really have in them because uh, you're more or less married to this top pick right. in the draft because. That's your coaching career right there, pretty much assigned to one guy. Let's take a break. We'll talk about this with Marcus Johnson, J.J. McCarthy, Drake May, and all that more. Here on Raider Nation Radio, it's The Gate. 